Welcome to the Plant-Based Canada podcast. Join us as we talk to experts to explore plant-based practices and how our food choices impact our health and the environment. We sit down with doctors, dietitians, athletes, and various fields to break down the evidence behind a whole foods plant-based diet and discuss the practical steps we can take in the effort to shift towards a healthier lifestyle. My name is Stephanie Nishi, and today I'm joined by Tom Pickering to chat about filmmaking and his plant-based initiatives. Tom Pickering is an award-winning filmmaker and longtime vegan based in the UK. In his words, he was raised on a diet of genre cinema and from a young age wanted nothing more than to work in the film industry. A decade after graduating film at university, Tom had a number of successful corporate and narrative films under his belt, collecting a string of awards and establishing himself as a director, eventually founding his production company called Lock and Tent Productions. But something was missing. Tom's parents raised him following a vegetarian diet, and later in life, after learning more about the egg and dairy industries, Tom turned vegan. At some point, it dawned on Tom that these two huge passions he had in filmmaking and veganism could be combined, and that he could start telling stories that had the power to change lives. This brings us to our two main topics of discussion in this episode. These are two of Tom's projects, the first being his feature documentary called I Could Never Go Vegan, where with the help of his brother, Tom set out to capture the various arguments that face the vegan community and find whether these are justified or not. And the second being the launch of the new health and fitness campaign called Running on Plants, which is happening June 2023. Tom is a lifelong runner, and this along with his inspirational stories from people he had met has led to this initiative, which enables participants to take control of their health by adopting a whole food plant-based diet for the month of June and taking up running. Or if you are not a runner, this can also include walking, strolling, cycling, and so on. And a number of free resources are available. So let's hear more from Tom about these two initiatives. So Tom, thank you so much for joining the Plant-Based Canada podcast today. Thank you so much for having me. It's my pleasure. I was wondering, before we jump into things, could you tell us a little bit more about your background, specifically relating to how plant-based practices became a part of your personal and professional life, and how that relates to your current career? Absolutely. Um, probably makes sense to, I guess, start at the beginning. So I w- I've always had an interest in, in animals, in animal welfare, and uh, I've always considered myself as a, like a compassionate human uh, or compassionate being because I, I was raised vegetarian and I think um, that kind of made me identify from an early age that animals you know shouldn't be eaten or at least in my view uh, but I wasn't vegan at the time because uh, I, I was kind of in that trap where I felt like I was I was doing a good thing and um, I you know I didn't need to do anything else I didn't even really consider the idea of veganism until at one point in my uh, actually in my 20s when I was made aware of the horrors of the dairy and egg industry and that obviously set me on the path to veganism and I've never looked back since uh, so I've always uh, because I was raised in that way I've always really had an interest in uh, I suppose in in just veganism in general in trying to be as, uh, as good a kind and compassionate person as I can be 
And um, that at some point that then got tied in with my professional life because uh, I'm a I'm a filmmaker, so a director, producer, editor. And um, after graduating from university, I did film at uni at Sheffield Hallam University, and then I went into the corporate industry for film. Uh, got got stuck there for a good decade, really, because I had a like a reasonable like secure job and I fell into that trap of where you just like, oh, there's a bit of risk if I if I move away from this. Um but eventually I I I, I kind of just stepped back and thought, do you know what? I this isn't why I wanted to be a filmmaker. This isn't what I initially wanted to do. I want to tell films that have the power to inspire and and engage with and motivate audiences and actually make a difference, make a positive difference in the world. And so it, then at that point dawned on me, I could probably combine my love of veganism and my love of filmmaking. And so that's where I started to then go down the route of um, becoming like an, an activist filmmaker, effectively. And so I was making various different films for uh, working with organisations, uh, vegan organisations, to try and spread awareness for the vegan movement. Uh, and then eventually that led to me making or going into production on the vegan documentary i could never go vegan uh, which is was a huge huge like three and a half year undertaking and is uh, very soon to be released uh, i'm pleased to say because it's been delayed a lot so um uh, yeah it was it was a great moment to, to be able to combine those two things because uh, they're both huge passions for me and um that kind of has led the journey of I could never go vegan has led me to the point I'm now at where that's in post-production about to be released. And I'm going on to make other documentaries that hopefully can have a, a similar impact of inspiring and motivating audiences to think about, you know, their impact on life, whatever the subject matter might be. Thank you for sharing that. And you kind of already touched into or led into one of my first questions and we'll get into more about your documentary I Could Never Go Vegan in a little bit but first I know that you're an award-winning filmmaker and director and you kind of touched on your motivations but I was curious to know a little bit more about what is your approach to choosing a documentary topic and you mentioned I Never Could Go Vegan which is a very provocative title how do you go about choosing these topics and coming up with the idea behind them? Yeah, well, it's interesting. So with with veganism, that one was because it, it was something that had been with me for such a long time. And because I'd been on this, my own journey, uh, like you mentioned before, I've sort of raised as a vegetarian, then finding veganism. I felt, I almost felt like I needed to do something in that space because I, I guess a part of me almost felt guilty, perhaps. I'm not sure. Uh, and and I just wanted to do something that would effectively make a difference. Uh, and I thought that's the best way for me to do it. Um, given that I'm already sort of in the working in the film industry and I think I could do something that hopefully maybe felt a bit different. So for that one, it was a, a bit of a no brainer really. Um, but there, I mean, I'm, I've, I'm working directing another documentary at the moment with, um, with Suzanne Shaw, um, who basically has a pretty inspiring story where she's, uh, she's gone, sober she she had an unhealthy relationship with alcohol um and so she's since gone sober she went plant-based uh, and took up running and effectively has taken this she's been on this three or four year journey then it's taken over her life and put her in a, a whole new direction and as part of that she's um she wanted to do something to raise awareness for mental health and so that really 
is another project that just really spoke to me because I just thought that's something that's so relevant at the moment and, and so many people I think suffer and there is something you can do to try and try and help yourself but you might not realize at the time for for whatever reason and so there's a big running challenge incorporated into that as well um, that Susie's doing so I think for I guess for a documentary I'm, I'm effectively looking for something that I think is is going to be powerful and have the ability to to change um, maybe people's viewpoint on a on a particular topic, for example. Although I do, I should say, I do also work in the um, the narrative space because I, I I also just love film, um, well, like a lot of people do, <laughs> and, uh, and so um, we're going into production on a actually on a feature horror film later in the year, which is something else entirely. But I, I kind of try and tell myself pretty much 75% of what I do will be within the activist space. And then I leave 25% to one side for other projects, as long as it's the right kind of projects and doesn't obviously contradict anything else I'm trying to do. But um, sometimes, yeah, I just want, also want to make films that are entertaining and and people just, you know, can switch off from their hectic lives for 90 minutes or something. So I think that's probably how I approach filmmaking in general. Sharing those stories and that creative outlet seems like such an important way of connecting people, but also being able to share what other people have been going through and can learn from other people, but also serve as motivations as well. Yeah, 100%. And and I think that's one of the things I love about film is like it brings people together. And I love the idea that you can go and sit in a, a cinema and with a bunch of strangers, uh, but it's not it's not a strange experience. It's actually you, you're all coming together to appreciate a particular art form. And and that's why I think it's good to recognize when you are wanting to do something that's purely just to entertain people and help people. And, you know, there's not necessarily anything wrong with that. Not everything that um, I work on, you know, has to be what I would call, you know, incredibly like or attempting to be impactful or try and change people. Um, sometimes you can just make something with the, the motive to entertain <laughs> so yeah it, it's nice to get the bit uh, a good balance as well because a lot of what i like with i can never go vegan for example we um we obviously had to cover a lot of really heavy material in that mm-hmm. uh, there was a lot of things that i you know you don't really want to experience over and over so we knew we had to do it we had to capture certain bits of footage but at the same time i once you've come from a project like that, like that, you do actually want to work on something that's perhaps a bit more lighthearted just for your insanity. <laughs> so um, that's another reason why I think it's just healthy to mix things up a bit. Fair enough. And along those lines, for the documentary, I Could Never Go Vegan, you talk to a lot of different experts and professionals and individuals in that area. And I was wondering about how you go about researching for a documentary of this type and how do you go about determining who to interview? Yeah, the, the research for it was such a huge undertaking. I I should really give a, a, a shout out to my brother, uh, James, who produces the film with me. Um, he's a fantastic film producer and screenwriter. And actually, a lot of people probably don't realise that um, documentaries also have a screenplay like a, a narrative fiction film would have because you kind of, you know, you're following that structure. And um, James and I, we, we put the story together um, between us and we thought was, we, when we put the story together we thought right this is kind of the route if you like this is the journey that we've plotted out and so if I'm on this journey of um, addressing all these arguments where would it logically take me like how could we put a narrative together for that and so once we put the story together James then 
put a screenplay together for that. And when we had the screenplay, we then thought, right, we need to speak to somebody who can talk about gut health. And it's like, right, Dr. Alan Desmond would be perfect for that. Uh, we need to speak uh, on a broader level, just someone who's incredibly knowledgeable um, on all forms of nutrition. And then so Shireen Kassam and um, Rahini Jekyll, you know, you don't get better than those. So <laughs> we um, we had good chats with them, both uh, Shireen and Rahini. And then perhaps it was, oh, what about protein? Because protein always comes up. And so Dr. Manil Patel was a great shout because he's he's a doctor, but also he's, um, you know, an avid gym goer and kind of debunks that in one. And that led us down the athletes. So for the athletes, it was just a case of finding professional athletes that are really excelling. But we also wanted some amateur athletes because we thought it's a nice balance and it shows that it's more relatable and, and attainable for anyone trying to take up this lifestyle. Uh, and then it's that that was kind of the approach. So every, every every time we got to a point in the story, it was just identifying who who can actually debunk this for us because we didn't want it to come from me because I'm not an expert in any of this. So I'm I'm almost like the audience in it, where the audience are, are going on the journey with me. That was the idea. Yeah, each each basically section takes us to a different expert who can talk about that. So if it's food, it might be the happy pair. If it's the environment, we go speak with George Monbiot. There's a there's a really good mix of people. Like we're so fortunate with who we we're able to film in in this um, and some fantastic voices in their fields. So I'm really excited to to basically see how it how it's received once uh, once it's released. Yeah, on your website, I saw you have quite the list of experts that have contributed to this. So we'll link that in the show notes for any of the listeners who want to check it out. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Um, you mentioned that you've gone on this journey and that you've talked to all these experts and you mentioned a lot of these like key topic areas or leading arguments facing the vegan movement and your question of whether this is justified or not. I was wondering if you could give us like a sneak peek or a snippet or taste of some of the things that you found. Yeah, I mean, so one thing that's interesting is because I've been with this for so long now and um, everything sounds really familiar to me and i always have to try and remind myself um to a particularly if you're speaking with like say a, a non-vegan this is all new information you would imagine so you have to keep reminding yourself uh of that so i always try and take myself back to what was i shocked to find out and some of the some of the things were the um, people talk a lot about soy don't they and uh, there's an argument oh out vegans part of the problem because for due to eating soy uh, and it's things like there's more there's more soy in a chicken breast than there is in uh, the same weight of tofu for example um you know because the amount of soy that goes into feeding chickens and um, uh, on average around seven percent um or some figures vary but um we can say on average around seven percent of all soy grown is consumed by humans the rest is either given to livestock or used in various other ways i mean stats like that just blow my mind because that people genuinely do um still hold soy up as like this terrible food and it's like well hang on a sec you know if just look at where the soy is going when you break it down it's it's really not an issue in terms of uh, human consumption consumption at all it's purely because the the vast majority is going to feed livestock so that was a big one and um, i mean proteins are an interesting one because I, i'm still amazed that this comes up all the time like it, it 
it baffles me because, but again, I have to remind myself, you know, no, this is a genuine argument that people will try and throw at vegans. So we, we debunk that quite quickly uh, because the, the protein we need is, it really isn't that hard to achieve. I mean, you can actually, I could probably have one and a half meals and I would tick the actual box of protein that I would require in a day. I mean, if you're an athlete, the, the amount does increase slightly, but it's still very achievable. And so we're able to get that point across really easy. And, and we show so many great athletes who have, who have, have some incredible achievements to their name as well that kind of just speak for itself. So that's really uh, a really good one to get in just because, as I say, people still mention it, sadly. Another good one I would say is um, we, do, uh, we do actually do quite an interesting uh, taste test. Um, so I, we set up, I don't want to give too much away about this because uh, it's, I think it's good to watch uh, and experience it at the time. But basically, we, we bring about 40 members of the public in, in various different groups and we um, stage a taste test. So this one is is more around the food side and the and the how good the meat replacements are now. So it's not specifically focused on the health because we're quite honest that if you want the health benefits of a vegan lifestyle, then whole plant foods is obviously the best choice. So we are very honest about that. But we say, you know, if, if you do want to, to get that that fix if you think oh i just want to tuck into a burger or or my favorite chicken dish well it's great to know that the replacements are are have really improved um, these meat alternatives and so we kind of talk about well just how good are they now and so we bring all these members of the public in and effectively what we do is we we tell people that there's um there's th- there's three dishes laid out two are vegan and one one isn't can they decide which one isn't unbeknownst to them they're all vegan because <laughs> obviously i was very reluctant to to say of any meat i wouldn't do that but the the point was that basically everybody picks a different dish and it's like okay so i think the idea here is that you know you plant something in someone's mind and for example you tell someone something's vegan they they make up their mind before they even try it you know often anyway um, and the idea was how much can we manipulate what people think because they've already got these preconceived notions of what vegan food tastes like. And actually, if you just if flip it around, it works the other way as well. So it was a really interesting experiment and it's kind of cool how it unfolds in the documentary. That's really cool, especially with the taste test and just I'm curious to see people's reactions in the actual documentary as well. I was wondering, you mentioned at the beginning that you had to almost check yourself because you yourself, you mentioned that you've been vegetarian since a child and became vegan. Do you get any questions about that? And what would you say to people who are like, but you've never eaten meat yourself? Yeah. Um, people are usually surprised actually, because I'm, I've always, I've always been quite athletic as well, which I think probably makes people more surprised. And I, Obviously, do a lot of running, which we'll discuss later. But I do, uh, I do a fair bit of weight training as well. And I think um, people have this uh, image in their head that of what they think somebody who who's never eaten meat should look like. Um, and now I think, I think it's slowly changing, which is is fantastic because awareness is spreading, and there's so many good films that have come out, and um, great organisations like Plant Based Health Professionals who were really um, showing that actually, you know meat isn't a requirement for anyone but definitely people are still surprised and they they will ask me well what do you eat then or or actually more so what did you eat back then because they understand now there's so many options 
but back then and and to be fair back then it was it was difficult to be a vegetarian like in the 80s and 90s um it was probably harder to do that than to be a vegan now i would say because there was just nothing not, obviously not if you were cooking and stuff although weirdly i don't remember certain foods even existing when i was a kid <laughs> i mean they obviously did <laughs> but you know i remember when quinoa i must have been about 15 when i first had quinoa and i was like where did this come from and where's it been all my life <laughs> I just wonder if it was that it wasn't being grown um, in such demand, and you know, it was uh, then transportation and all of this other, all these other factors coming into it. I don't know. The awareness around it wasn't potentially there, but there, there just seems to be so many more foods available to us now, which is one of the great things about modern life. But there are obviously are, are some downsides to that as well. So, um, but I, yeah, if I had to sum up in a word, I would say people are always surprised to find out I was raised that way. Very interesting though. And thank you for sharing that. I was wondering, you mentioned that there were difficulties um, that you experienced, but I was wondering more so from the point of view of creating this documentary, you mentioned that it started about three years ago. So 2020. So this is during the time of the pandemic. Is there anything behind the scenes that were challenges that came up when trying to create this documentary that you think viewers should be aware of just to be able to, to be able to appreciate it even more? Yeah. I mean, the, the, one of the things I'm most proud of, I think is because of the, basically what was happening in the world, we had to strip everything back. So the crew in particular, for I would say for 90% of the film, it's um, it's basically me and my brother going around. And so we had the added benefit of, you know, working in the film industry. So we, we knew, or hopefully to some extent, knew what we were doing. <laughs> and we, but basically it also meant that we had to, we were forced at first to work with what they would call a skeleton crew, which is just, two people um, because we couldn't take people with us. We weren't allowed. And we we had to be very careful about how we filmed anyway because of in and out of lockdowns and everything. But what actually happened was we found that it, everything was a bit more laid back. We were having really great... Every time we'd go and film somebody, it turned into like a day event and we'd have a great catch up with them. We'd go out for food with them. Sometimes we'd actually stay over at their house and... Um, it, it made the whole experience uh, just feel so much nicer because we we then formed these really great friendships as well. And so even once things started to open, open up again, we maintained this approach. Uh, and actually, we just kept it really stripped back. Like it, it made the work quite hard, I'll be honest. Like I, my setups were much longer than they would have been if I'd have had a full crew with me. Everything was twice as difficult from trying to get camera angles and trying to sort, I was having to manage audio myself, basically having to do everything myself but to some extent that is the nature of documentary filmmaking as well that's that's kind of when you take on a documentary you know you know you're not going to have the biggest budget in the world you know that you it's going to be a lot of work and long nights and you're going to be sacrificing sleep um, and traveling a lot and but if as long as you're passionate about it and and you really care about the story you're telling which we did then you'll do it and that's kind of, I think if there's one thing that people probably won't get from uh, when they watch the film, because I'm, I'm really proud with the end product and it's a, obviously a, a, you know, a really professionally crafted film, but I think people probably won't realise just how 
um, how small some of the the sets were for us and how we had to manage that. And, you know, as you say, making it during a, a pandemic and various lockdowns like made it so we had to do that. And then the weird thing was that it just, we, we turned it to our advantage, I think, and, and the experience was better for it. So it's a nice, maybe it's a nice reminder that actually there's a positive side to everything as well, or there often can be anyway. But I think that's probably the biggest challenge we had through it is just the the lack of, of bodies making it. Speaking of bodies and the friendships that seem to have formed throughout this process, I noticed that a number of the individuals highlighted in the documentary are also a part of the new initiative called Running on Plants. I was wondering, can you tell us a little bit more about this? Yeah, absolutely. So so I've, I've been running since I was... Uh, eight years old, I'd say. Um, I was too young to join. I was actually, I joined um, Hull City Athletics Club. So this this was the the nearest city to where I grew up in the UK. Uh, and you could join the under 11s, but um, you had to be nine. They let me join a year early, which I was really thrilled about because my, my brother, who's older than me, was running already. And my dad was a runner. And I just kind of wanted to, I felt like I was missing out. I was like, I want to be doing what they're doing. Why won't they let me run? And I was like, I'm quite a good runner, honest. And then talked them into letting me <laughs> join a year early. I think I was the only person that's uh, done that, at least at the time, maybe other people have since. So I was quite proud of it. Uh, so running then has always been like a big part of my life. I love how it makes me feel. I love what it does for my well-being, mentally and physically. Uh, and there's something about when, when you put in the work and you achieve like a, say a, a fast time, for example, and fast is relative to each individual. So you know, what's fast for me might not be fast for someone else, for example, but still when I achieve what I would consider a fast time and you think, yeah, that's, that's paid off and, and I feel fantastic. My health is better for it. And as I say, the mental clarity, everything. And I wanted to try and I was trying to think of a way to, basically get others involved in in that kind of lifestyle because my wife hates running like she can't stand it and and I don't understand why she doesn't like running and I try and get her into it to the point where a couple years ago I signed up for a 15k I didn't tell her until like a month before which was a really bad thing to do actually I I, in hindsight I wouldn't do that again Um, (laughs) because we we then went and did this 15k in the Lake District and she hasn't run since and she still reminds me about it today. She still tells me about, oh, yeah, do you remember when you signed me up for that 15K? And she accuses me of trying to kill her, which is not what I was doing. <laughs> That's quite so, the initiation. Uh, yeah, I know. <laughs> but uh, she's going to take part in running on plants though. So, because basically I wanted to combine, I like combining things. I don't know why. Uh, I wanted to combine veganism and running because the things that have really benefited me. So for example, when I, I remember when I first went vegan, I was really strict with whole foods, whole plant foods, and my, I just felt so fantastic. Like I can't, I cannot describe the difference uh, that it, you know, it basically did for me personally, and just feeling better, but also then performing better in whatever sport I was doing, which it was mainly running. Uh, and so I was like, "There's something in that, you know, trying to get people to feel how I felt there." Because I think if people can feel that. They'll, they'll never want to change because it you know you can't really put a price on on feeling good and so that's where the idea of running on plants was born and and I wanted to try and also tie in that the the kind of ecstasy that you feel from running a fast time so that's where the 5k angle comes in so the idea is people log a 5k at the start of June set a benchmark time 
so then they know where they're at. Then throughout the month, they're provided with an abundance of nutritional support, which is um, provided by plant-based health professionals uh, and also Switch for Good. So we've partnered with these two organizations. And then they're provided with a training platform um, uh, where they can basically either do a beginner, intermediate or advanced training plan. And that can also be kind of adapted to their needs as well. So it's something for everyone. And uh, Jasper McDowell is our coach. He's designed that. And he's a really fantastic runner. He can, he's like a 227 marathon runner, so knows his stuff. Uh, and then there's uh, various other bits of support and guidance. There's recipes on the website, lots of nutritional information. There's um, advice on how to cook, how to transition, anything you need, really. We've tried to do everything to make it as easy as possible for people. And then the idea is you go through this month of June after you sign up for the challenge and you log your second 5K at the end of the month. And hopefully you absolutely smash your time and then start celebrating because you, you've got this new lifestyle that you didn't know you needed, but now you can't think of any other way to live. <laughs> I really like that focus on the personal best or achieving your own goals and focusing on what works for yourself and improving for yourself. At least back in the day, long time ago when I was training, it wasn't always about what was the final, when did you cross the finish line, but also what was your PB or personal best time as well. It's interesting though, because I think there's it's obviously that's a it's a really nice sort of part of the journey is to get is to like log a fast time and get a, a PB. But all, I think really what what I kind of want to get across is just the act of, of running or even moving your body actually. So it's if you if you don't want to run, that's fine. Then there's there's so much evidence just for for being active and getting out there and moving and and being out in in daylight and sunshine and just effectively um, trying to live a more active lifestyle. So if people want to walk through the month, you know that's fine. Like um, we we're encouraging everybody to sign up and take part regardless of ability because because we want it to be as inclusive as it possibly can be. So uh, I think really the the thing that I would focus on um, is, is just actually taking part and, and enjoying the process. Uh, and I, I'm so sure, and I know from experience, but if I, for whatever reason, if I've missed a bit of running, say I've been working away, for example, and then I get back into it and I've lost a bit of fitness, it's, it's awful at first, um, you know, because you just think, ah, oh, I'm I'm not where I used to be and it's going how long is this going to take me but very rarely does it take any longer than 2 weeks usually quicker and and you're already on the right path and every run's feeling a bit better and it's that feeling I think that you really can't explain but once you feel it it, it just makes you want to keep doing it because you it, you're literally feeling healthier every time you go out you're feeling better you're feeling happier and you're always happy when you get back and you've done it so I think that's the thing I would try and focus on for people taking part is um, it's a, a stepping stone to get you on on the path of a more healthier lifestyle, effectively. Okay, so this is open, it sounds like, for anybody to participate. So even if someone was similar to your wife and not quite as enthusiastic about running, they could walk, stroll, maybe wheel, or I think there's other terms that you used on your website that they could still participate become active or increase their activity or just stay consistent, but not necessarily have to run every day in order to be a part of it. Yeah, absolutely. So my, I mean, my uncle, for example, is mm -hmm. uh, an avid cyclist. Um, he can't run anymore because of a, a previous um, injury that basically has now that stopped him from running. But I've, I've said to him 
cycle through the month. That's fine. Nobody's going to, we're not going to tell you off because you're not running. <laughs> That's, that would go against the sort of the whole idea of what and the ethos of what we're trying to do. We're not, you don't have to be strict with it. We're just trying to encourage people to make these changes. And even if they can't fully commit to it for the whole month as well, something is better than nothing. So, but I think people will surprise themselves when, when they get involved. And as long as they, just a little bit of dedication to it, they, they'll probably find that actually this is so much easier than I thought it would be. And I'm start, I've learned that I actually do now really enjoy running. I mean, I've spoken to so many people who, who once upon a time hated running, but it's only because they, they'd maybe do, say they maybe go for one run or two runs and then they'd always end up stopping. And because of that, they'd never, they'd never have any progression. And so running to them was always difficult. But it will be anything will be difficult if if you don't actually you know commit to it to improve, whatever you know the task or the hobby is. So it's really just about I think maintaining some level of uh, consistency that can allow you to improve and you start to feel those benefits. And that's all it takes. Once you feel those benefits, you will you will fall in love with it. I'm so sure. And you mentioned before that as part of this program or initiative that there's a number of resources that people can use to help support them in this. And one of the things that I was reading the other day, it was in a it was a 2019 review published in a peer-reviewed journal called Nutrients. And they found that plant-based diet can improve heart health as well as recovery time in endurance athletes or including individuals who are runners. So I was wondering if you could speak a little bit more about those support resources, including the nutrition or dietary ones. Yeah, so we're really fortunate, um, as I mentioned, that we've partnered with plant-based health professionals and Switch for Good because effectively these great organizations have have done the work for us. <laughs> so as you'll know, with plant-based health professionals, there is like an abundance of, of fact sheets. And um, what these do is it just keeps all the information in a nice, concise way. It's presented really, um, really nicely so that you can digest it easily. You can take on board what it's trying to tell you. And it's it's basically split up into sections. So, if you wanted to learn a bit about um, heart health, for example, you could go and do that. If you wanted to learn about um, how to manage type two diabetes, um, you could go and do that. Anything to do with particular chronic diseases, we've got breakdowns of all of that on the website. And then there's um, if you wanted to go specifically into the athlete side of things, there's a fantastic resource called the Plant Based Playbook that Switch for Good have provided. And I mean, this is that it's an enormous um, resource is that and it's uh, why that's quite interesting is because it it, it shows a lot effectively a lot of olympic athletes who are vegan and how they're excelling in their particular discipline um, and obviously Dotsy Bausch who runs that is um, an olympic silver medalist so um it's just a great it's a really great resource to show what is possible if and obviously most of us aren't Olympic athletes, but it's nice to know that actually if it's good enough for these professionals, I'm pretty sure it'll be good enough for me. And then we've got breakdowns of plates, so what a good healthy plate should look like, for example, and um, what your what it should be made up of in terms of sort of carbohydrates, fats, and protein. So there's there really is everything you would need, and most people probably wouldn't even need that much info either, if we're being honest. So most people are happy to have sort of a high level approach. Okay. You've told me it's good for me for these reasons. And this is what I need to eat. I'm going to try it. Uh, but if you do want to dive a little deeper, you can do. And that's the nice thing about it is the, all the info is there. 
it's highly accurate. It's all um, peer reviewed, and um, it's it's all from the professionals. It's not coming from me. It's coming from people who work in this field and who know what they're talking about. <laughs> so that's the idea: is that you can trust these people, you can trust the information that's on there, and um, you can find anything you want should you want to. So it's a really comprehensive resource to aid individuals in doing this throughout the month of June. I was wondering, are there key things participants should think about or know about prior to June to ensure that they embark on this initiative in a positive and healthy way and that they are able to be successful? There's always a few um, tips and tricks, I would say, uh, things to consider. The If you're coming into it and say you've never say you're going to commit to the running aspects um, and but you've never run before i would say definitely train smart uh, and what i mean by that is don't don't go 100 miles an hour all at once and think i'm just going to do everything i'm going to basically i'm going to train 7 days a week like that wouldn't be a, a sensible decision you it might be that what you often find with running is you from a cardiovascular point of view um sort of your heart and lungs and breathing will improve quite quickly but the strain on joints or muscles um, might take a little bit longer. Uh, just speaking from experience there. So so we've, even if you feel like, oh, I'm ready to go, fitness is coming on nicely, I'd like to do another a back-to-back run, for example, it might be more sensible to, if you absolutely want to, I mean, it's great that you, you might want to do the um, an additional day of exercise, but maybe just turn it into a long walk instead so it's slightly less impact or maybe cycle because you know there's much lower impact for that or swimming for example so it's trying to be smart about how you plan the days don't do too much too fast try and basically stick to the training plan i would say because the training plans are designed to help individuals who are taking part so and and you will get the best results if you follow that plan the other thing i would say is probably if you already signed up i would start experimenting with the food already because sometimes in my experience you know, the recipe is more of a of a guide really like i when i look at a recipe i think oh that's that sounds really nice but i'm going to change a couple of things that work better for me uh, so i would say to people have fun with that side of it and experiment in the kitchen you you'll probably find there's loads of things that you never even knew about that you love <laughs> and you'll learn uh, how to spice in a certain way and it'll um, all these flavors then you know, and it'll just blow your mind at first so i would get experimenting with that because you can have a lot of fun in the kitchen and learn some new skills as well so and the only other thing i suppose i would mention i mean again it depends how much detail you want you would want to go into but um, it's definitely worth i would say having some form of a watch that can track at least time so just a ready cheat watch but if you can if you have a watch that can also track your distance link it to strava that's that's nice because you then get the, um, you can actually log your improvements. You can go back and revisit how you've performed, how you've done. And it actually, if you can share it with friends, you can be part of a community. And and that community is a really nice thing because that often motivates you to keep going and keep basically improving and one-upping each other. And so I would say that it's worth the investment, but that's pretty much the only thing I would say you need to buy, that and a good pair of trainers. So where can people sign up for this or find out more? How do people go about signing up for this? So you would sign up on our website, which is runningonplants.org. And that is effectively like the hub for all things running on plants. That's where you'll find everything we've discussed here. So all the training plans, nutritional information. 
you can also follow the social channels as well. Um, so Running On Plants is the Facebook page and uh, Running On Plants 1 is the Instagram handle. But yeah, it, to sign up, head over to the website and um, it's it's all there right in front of you. You can't miss it and you'll get all the other information that you need. Great. So let's imagine we flash forward. It's near the end of June. What would be your main goal that you would like to achieve and where do you see it going or what do you see doing after this month of June? Yeah, so I, I, I would love for this to become a regular fixture in the calendar. So a bit like you know, January is the Veganuary month. I think June should be the running on plants month because I think June's such a nice time to run as well, at least in the UK. We're, we're not fortunate enough to have great weather all the time, but um, June's usually a nice a nice month for running. And I would love it if it just, it's, it's kind of something that would set people up for their summer. So hopefully they, they go into summer feeling healthy, feeling their best. And ultimately, I just want people to to do something that's not only is it going to, benefit them and they'll feel fantastic for it but obviously it benefits the the animals that are, uh, will no longer be suffering needlessly or at least there's a reduction in the amount of animals that are being eaten and uh, obviously benefits this wonderful planet we all call home so when you combine all of those i mean there's so many reasons why i think people should take part in the challenge uh, and after june i just i hope that you know, we've had a good take up and people continue with this lifestyle because they've they've realized, ah, oh, this it was ways than I thought it would be. I feel fantastic. And um it's it's great for uh, the environment and the and um, the animals. So why not carry on? And hopefully it's as I say, it's a regular fixture going forward from here. So stay tuned for this June as well as next June and the Junes to follow, it sounds like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I know you shared uh, some of the places where people can find out about running on plants, but are there any other places where um, people can find out more about you and your work? Yeah, so we have, there's a website for the documentary, which is I could never go vegan.co.uk. Uh, stay tuned for that because I know we have a lot of people asking us when is that coming out because obviously the the trailer came out November uh, and we didn't we did plan on releasing much earlier than we have but we we actually went back and refilmed some bits or, or filmed some additional sections and then quite foolishly we didn't we didn't anticipate just how long the legal side of it takes uh, particularly when you're doing things where you're investigating and you're having to keep things anonymous and all this stuff so that's taken us a lot longer than we realized. So uh, just worth mentioning because a lot everyday people are asking us when, when is it going to come out? So um, we are really close now, so which is exciting. And I would say for that, stay tuned um, on the website and also the I Can Never Go Vegan movie is the Instagram page. Um, stay tuned there because we will announce that soon. Um, if For me personally, I, uh, I have my own uh, handle as well on Instagram is just the Tommy Pick. Uh, if you want to see a bit more about what I do, which is it'll either be um, running veganism or film stuff. That's pretty much all I post. But uh, <laughs> if any of those interest you, yeah, then come and say hello. And um, yeah, that's and then obviously running on plants, which I've mentioned. So that sums up the things I have going on at the moment. I would say fantastic. That's quite a bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely busy. Um, and plus, you know, potentially got this uh, this horror film that we're doing as well, which mm-hmm. is completely different. But, you know, it'll be nice. That'll be good fun. So if you like horror films as well, come and follow me. <laughs> Stay tuned. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so Tom, 
what would you like your take-home message or do you have any final thoughts that you would like listeners to leave this episode with? Yeah, I mean, I would say come and, come and try something this June because you might just be surprised at how you fare. So I would say come and give Running On Plants a go. Adopt, uh, I imagine a lot of people listening are probably, um, uh, you know, whole food plant-based eaters anyway, or at least plant-based. But um, come and give the running aspect a go as well because there's some, it's, uh, I've said this before, but you, you truly can't describe the runner's high that you get from uh, from actually taking part in in a challenge like that and, and visibly noticing the improvements and feeling the improvements. Come and give it a go. And uh, I, honestly, I think you'll be surprised at how much you enjoy yourself. So if, if the one take-home message I would say is come and try running on plants this June and watch our documentary when it comes out. <laughs> Um, Thank you so much for your time today and for chatting with us. It's been a pleasure. It's my absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for having me on. This episode was hosted by myself, Stephanie Nishi, and Clint Stamatovich is our audio engineer. This podcast featured royalty-free music from freesound.com. A very special thanks to our guest, Tom Pickering, for speaking with us and sharing his insights. And of course, thank you for listening. If you enjoy our podcast, please consider supporting the show. You can do this by clicking on the link at the bottom of the show notes. The Plant-Based Canada podcast is an initiative of the group Plant-Based Canada, which aims to educate health professionals and the public on the evidence behind plant-based whole food nutrition for individual and planetary health. To learn more about the show, visit our website at www.plantbasedcanada.org and stay up to date by following us on Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook at plantbasedcanada.org. Until next time.